Thanks, John. Praise the Lord. My, it's good to be uh, back here on Wednesday night. And last week I missed you guys. I was thinking about you. I knew John was uh, doing a good job, though. He filled in on chapter 19. And uh, we are almost to the end of this book. I was trying to think how many months we've been on this. Probably four or five. Would you all agree? Probably started back in April, May, somewhere back in there. And uh, it's been a an exciting book. I wish more would have come and learned how to have a, have a joy-filled family, right? <laughs> and a word-filled, the joy of a word-filled family. Uh, is there room for improvement in our families? Always. It's, uh, it's amazing, you know. I look back over my life. I'm writing a book right now, and I'm probably about seven, eight chapters into it. And uh, I'm writing the good, the bad, and the ugly in this book. It's a story of my life and the lessons that I've learned from life, and I do have the t-shirt <laughs> on some things, and I got the knots on my head and the scars to uh, to prove some of it, and it's, you know, as we, even tonight as we're, we're going to be talking about some stuff, how the older men, uh, you know, help the younger men and the older ladies help the younger ladies, God knew uh, uh, what, what uh, mankind needed. So you, you do, you learn so much, don't you? And if these young ones will listen, <laughs> we can help them, can't we, as older, as older people? Sometimes uh, uh, they're receptive, and sometimes they want to get their own scars, I guess, right? Anybody hard-headed out there like me and had to get some of your own, your own scars? But wouldn't it, be better, wouldn't it be nice if everyone just learned from the elders? The, the elders, and it was passed down, and then we didn't have to waste some time, right? So, anyway, this chapter tonight, uh, this is the last, of course, the last, uh, next to the last chapter, there's one more, and then Terry is going to begin, uh, uh, are you, you're still not quite sure yet, or have you, the blessed life, all right, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it, uh, the blessed life, I, uh, I like that. I like that. So this, yeah, we actually started in chapter 17 on this last section here. It said the joy of a prayer-filled life, and God has really been, I think, uh, honing in on that for this church. He knew uh, that I would be doing a series on Sundays about this. He knew that we would be in this study even, you know, at the start of the year. I believe God already knew all of this stuff, and here we are. We're in a season in this church when we must pray, pray, pray. Amen? And some of us, even in our lives, we're in a season when uh, more prayer is needed. I know this series, or this book, and the series on Sunday has really enhanced and challenged me in my prayer life. You can get complacent, can't you, in your prayer life. And uh, I'm finding that it's uh, the video that we were going to show Sunday... It talks about, you know, all the things that you go through, and it's one thing to know all the different types of prayers and the model prayer and the Lord's Prayer and all the different the prayers, but the main thing is, you know, prayer becomes a way of life, doesn't it? It's not that we do something and then say, God bless it. We pray, seek his face, and then we, then we act on what he's put into our spirit, right? So it's a, it's a, good, it's a good plan to ask God first. Uh, his wisdom is far greater than mine I'll tell you for sure so chapter 20 reflecting Christ's love everybody get a handout 
All right, we want to, that was just kind of a, an intro there. Uh, are we as Christians reflecting something every day? We are, aren't we? We're reflecting something. I talked to a, a young man at a dealership today. Uh, he's got a daughter that's in a teen challenge program right now, 16 years old. I was telling him about some of the, the great success stories here at our at our church. And uh, as I was walking out of there, I just, I don't know, just he, he's, he struck a chord in my, in my heart. But uh, I, I was hoping that I was reflecting you know, I'd already been studying for this, the love of Christ. We sit there at that table and talk more about Jesus than we did the, the car deal. So uh, anyway, it's every day we have an opportunity, don't we, to reflect Jesus. And that's kind of what he wanted his disciples to, to, uh, to do. In fact, he, I like the way the author says, that, says this, love is our badge, isn't it? Love is our badge. Number one, the characteristic mark of a genuine disciple, Christ's identification badge is love. John 13, 35 says this, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I believe love is the foundation, like he says here, for every Christian family. Everything is built on love, isn't it? And I've seen families that it was difficult for them to express love in their home, and, and that that is sad, isn't it? You know, that you live together, and you get... To, how, how many of you know the home is the acid test for your Christianity, right? Because you, you will uh, uh, treat people in your home sometimes a little different than you will someone just at church or at work or something, right? We, we live together and we all get to know each other pretty well and we can be grouchy, right, and grumpy sometimes at home and uh, Bev and I are occasionally with one another. I'll just be honest, we're every once in a while, we, uh, you know, long day, whatever, we'll, and, and, but we're quick, it, it's usually not very long, we're quick to say, hey, I was a little short there, I was, you know, blah, 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 I had a, a rough day here today or whatever, so it's, it's, you know, expressing that love and being able to, I think, admit when you, when you are wrong that's so important. And I've noticed as we've gone through, through here, how many of you have noticed this, that uh, there's a lot of things overlapping, even on subjection. Tonight, we're gonna, one of the points is going to be on subjection. And so there's a lot of stuff that, that is overlapping. It's like he's covering it really well, and then he's going back and covering it some more. And then he's cut. So I think he's doing it for a purpose. You know, if I would have written this book, it probably would have been about half, half this this size. But I'm sure this author, he's written a whole lot more books than I have. He had a uh, he had a purpose and a plan, and to reiterate it, to bind it, you know, uh, up on our, you know, what is it, the Israelites bind it around their neck, you know, make sure they make sure they get it. So he does reiterate it. That's anybody else noticed anything about this book that? that you've liked or disliked as we're kind of wrapping it up here. No comment? <laughs> okay. All right. You're ready for another one, right? Some, sometimes uh, after you've been on them for several months, it's like, hey, let's, let's get on to the next, uh, the next subject here. The blessed life is going to be good. He, he gives an example here that, of Gandhi. Anybody remember Gandhi? 
Mahatma, I can't remember to say his name. Anyway, Gandhi, the future leader of India, he had a chance when he was young to get exposed to Christianity, didn't he? He read the story, and he went into this home, and sadly, uh, it was an evangelical Christian home, <coughs> but he was really, he had high expectations because he'd heard so much about Christianity, and unfortunately, this home did not reflect uh, the Christ that uh, he was hoping to see. And so he, he said this uh, there on, on page 328, about middle way down. He's, he's, uh, someone asked him uh, here, as the months passed, he saw the casualness of their attitude toward the cause of God, heard them complain when they were called upon to make sacrifices, sensed their re religious apathy. Gandhi's uh, interest turned to disappointment. He said in his heart, no, it's not the one true supernatural religion I had hoped to find. It's a good religion, but just one more of the many religions in the world. So, man, ouch, right? Ouch. Yeah, I think I've heard that too, if it weren't for the Christians. reflecting right as the representation of you know to be christ-like are we being christ-like that's been pretty central to the whole book the whole book really good yeah very good so again uh he says here loving one another is not an option <laughs> right it's uh it, it must be done as his disciples we are all part of god's family brothers and sisters in Christ, like an individual Christian family should be, uh, the way we live, the way, <coughs> excuse me, the way we talk, the way we respond to our brothers and sisters, it is important. And again, even in the church family, uh, you know, it's hard to get sometimes even four people in a regular family in agreement. It's tougher sometimes to get a church family in agreement. But we must all come to that place where, if we're really reflecting Christ's love. It's not what I want, but what he wants anyway, right? So we come together and we pray, and we, uh, there's going to be a lot of decisions here in the next few, few months. Someone's going to say, well, why aren't we uh, going to be in this building over here? Why are we not going to be over in this building? Why are we renting instead of buying? Or why, you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of chances here to prove our love for each other, right? It's going to be uh, we're outside of the box. We've been in this little a safety cushion here for 15 years and it's been a blessing as we you know talked about here a couple of weeks ago what a blessing it has been, been for us but uh, things are fixing to get different you know for us and so we're going to have to be filled with his love aren't we to make it through so again we're going to make it though aren't we Woo! hallelujah more than make it we're going to we're not just going to survive we're going to thrive aren't we one, I like it. He's, he's, he's on it. Hallelujah. So, how to pray for Christ's love in your children's lives. Uh, question number two, and this is on the top of 329. <clears throat> love is prompted by the Holy Spirit within us. In my natural self, there's people 
that are hard to love. Fact, right? Fact, very hard to love. But the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, one of his, uh, part of his DNA or part of his characteristics is love. God is what? Love. And so the Holy Spirit helps me love even the unlovable, right? Have you ever, are there stories here in the room of someone that was tough to love? Terry, okay. Uh, Lisa, all right. It, it can, you know, I, I think of, of uh, David Wilkerson and Nikki Cruz, that story right there. You know, Nikki had never, he'd been searching for love. He'd never found it. And here's this guy preaching, you know, on the, on the street corner. He's like, uh, I'm going to mess him up. And he, you know, pulls his switchblade out, getting ready to cut him up. And he said, I'm fixing to cut you in, pre in pieces, preacher. He said, if you do ever peace, you'll be crying out, I love you. Broke his heart, didn't it? Fell to his knees right there because he, he had never uh, seen love like that. Do we have an obligation to love people? Even those that, I shared this with some uh, person today or yesterday, uh, the Sermon on the Mount says, bless those who, who despitefully use you and say all manner of, against, of evil against you falsely. What? I'm supposed to bless them? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's tough, isn't it? But that's what Jesus came teaching and preaching is uh, turn the other cheek. They ask you to go one mile, go two. The Romans, you know, had a way of just throwing all their gear on you and saying, hey, I want you to carry this stuff for a mile and the, the Jews didn't like it they would whine and complain you know why do I have to carry this big old Roman soldier's junk down the road here and he said be happy do it and say hey can I carry it another mile for you wow wow so anyway love uh, how to pray for the love in your children's lives again number one the Holy Spirit uh, number one God commands that we love one another Beloved, and there's a lot of scriptures from 1 John. 1 John is a book of love, isn't it? Every, I bet if the word love is in that uh, uh, five chapters, probably 30, 40 times, I would guess. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Number two, loving our brothers and sisters is obedience to God. By this, 1 John 5, 2, we know that we love the children of God whom we when we love God and keep his commandments. Love means we're willing to die to our plans. I mentioned that a while ago about the building. We die to our plans, our desires, our agenda, and we serve our brother in Christ. Isn't that good? Wow. We, we, we yield. We yield to the Holy Spirit and, and, and submit to his lordship. Number four, a loving family member responds to the needs of his brother or sister. I like this one. Whoever, whosoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? We are pretty good to take care of people here at the house. You know, if we hear of somebody that has a need, I can pick up the phone and John and Jen are right in the middle of it. Really quick, quick response. So, love it. Uh, it's an action. It's a way of... It, a way of life. My little children, let us love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Empty lives lack 
love. That really hit me. Have you ever met someone like that? You can just see the emptiness in their face. They've been hurt. And things have happened in their, in their life. And uh, uh, they're, they're looking for love. What's that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? Looking for love in all the wrong places. How's that go? Too many faces. Yeah. Yeah. People are searching. <laughs> what Kara say? You probably know it. There you go. There you go, Kara. So, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people are living empty, loveless lives. They're just, you know, existing. God has given this test for whether or not we are a genuine Christian. If someone says, I love God <coughs> and hates his brother, he's a liar. Whoa! He's a liar. Ouch. If he, if he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has never seen? So number six, not loving our brothers and sisters is ungodly. Another scripture there. Uh, Number seven, now this one kind of struck me funny, but then he explained it. Not loving our brothers and sisters is like being attached to a corpse. I'm like, what? What's, what's that about? But then you go over here and uh, you read, uh, it says he, he, well, the scripture is actually, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. The, the penal system of the Roman Empire had a gruesome way to deal with murderers. They often punished murderers by tying them face to face, body to body, with the corpse of the person they murdered until the death of the corpse permeated their living body and killed them also. Yeah, that is ruthless, isn't it? Barbaric, but it's it definitely, uh, wow. You know, again, this point number seven really, really rocked my world when it says it's like being attached to a, a corpse. So we, we must love, right? That's the main lesson here is, is love. An unloving person who hates his brother or sister is like a murderer in God's sight. Okay, number two, pray they will love their brothers and sisters. Anybody ever been involved in sibling rivalry in your home? Can you, can you look back and... See some of that going on, sibling rivalry. John, did y'all have that going? <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. I was the baby of the family. I was the one that got beat up by everybody else until I got about 12 years old. And then I started holding up my own with my sister. And Kara's dad back there, a big brother, he used to pin me down. Yeah. Yeah, there you. It's starting to make sense now, Lisa said. I'm the oldest of four, so. Terry, Terry would pin me down now, mind you. I'm like nine, and he's 12, you know, a lot bigger than me, and just pin me down, sitting on top of me, and just hold me. And I'm screaming, you know, I'm, I'm claustrophobic. I'm trying to get up, and he just pinned me down there and just hold me, you know. And I get so mad. When he did let me up, he was running, you know, because. <laughs> coming at you seven different ways you know but uh, anyway uh, pray that our brothers 
and sisters, right? Pray that they will love their brothers, that your children will love their brothers and sisters. It's amazing how much you mature when you, you know, some of the, the grievances that you've had as kids, you, you forget about when you get older, right? You, you still, you, you love each other. So we pray for them to love each other. Uh, the Spirit of God wants to be taking the Word of God. This is question number three, actually. I love this. The Spirit of God wants to be taking the Word of God to shape us to look like the Son of God in our daily lives. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will take the Word of God. And so we as parents have a big obligation, don't we, to be teaching and training the children up in the things of God. Maddie just shared, not Maddie, but Sadie just shared her seventh memory verse with me just last Sunday after church here. She's got seven of them now committed to memory, and she's three, three years old. So Sheila is getting the word of God into that little heart, right? <coughs> uh, okay, and cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Are we familiar with the fruit of the Spirit? Can anybody name all nine of them? Long-suffering. There it is. There it is. Nine of them. So he kind of goes through, uh, first of all, he mentions there's 15 manifestations of the flesh. We don't want those, do we? That's listed in like uh, Galatians 5.20 or 19 through 21. And then Galatians 5.22, he goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And kind of goes down through him. And I kind of like some of his definitions here. So number one, love is the absence of selfishness. That's good, isn't it? Love. It's, it's not about me. It's, it's about you. Right? It's the absence of selfishness. It's the product of the Holy Spirit present in our lives, so it remains even in the harshest and most difficult times because we don't produce the love the Holy Spirit does. It's the fruit of the what? Not the flesh. It's the fruit of the Spirit living on the inside of us. So uh, it's a choice. The word agape is the, is the love of choice. Everybody understand agape, right? It's the love that says, I just love you regardless. It's unconditional. It's uh, expecting nothing in return. Expecting nothing in return. Let's be honest. How many of you have loved before expecting something <laughs> in return for it? Whether it's with your spouse or, or uh, someone at work or you know, family member, whatever. We sometimes have, quote, strings attached, don't we, to our love. You know, if you treat me bad, I'm going to treat you bad. You treat me nice, I'm going to be nice to you. But love just keeps loving, keeps, keeps on loving. So joy, number two, is the spiritual quality that releases us from circumstances can circumstances try to define my joy? Yeah. One sitting on the side of the road with a three flats on the trailer. Are you going to be joyful? Huh? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, my child. Joy, yeah, joy comes in the morning. It's, uh, it's tough, isn't it? Circumstances can try to dictate. frustrated and upset but in the process of me thinking about that things could be worse or or other things it's like you know what it's just a part of the job and that's what that joy is just I'm learning to be joyful in my tribulations like even with driving like it's, it can go from one day you can have a load then the next couple of days you don't have one like all right God you said you were gonna make a way so not only do I have to learn how to be joyful joyful in my tribulation, but I also have to be faithful knowing that you're going to be able to provide and get me through these circumstances as well. So it's just been a whole bunch of this, different perspectives. Since I've been on the road, and he's been teaching me a lot more patience. Like I still I still am quick-tempered, but I do have a lot more patience than what I used to have. So. Hallelujah. I've been praying for that for you. Every time I, every time I pray, he gives me another test. So yeah, like, there you go. There you go. <laughs> But it, it is, you know, circumstances can try. I've been just like him. You know, now what's, 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 what's joyful about what, the, what I'm going through right now? You know, but eventually, like I said, you start thinking, okay, well, I still have a car. You know, I've still got three other tires that are got some air, air in them, you know. And <laughs> it's all about perspective, isn't it? You know, and it's only flat on the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It's only flat. And then you get your lug wrench and your jack, and you start, you know, going to town on it, right? I got to where I can change a, a tire in about 10 minutes or less, and I'm back on the road, you know? Yeah, there you go. It can snowball, can it? It, it can snowball. I know Lisa had an experience a couple of Wednesday nights ago with keys, right? She, she was so joyful. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. That's, <coughs> that's funny. Kids can teach us some lessons, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. I like what he says, though. It's a spiritual quality that releases us from circumstances because our happiness, is there a difference in happiness and joy? Yes. Happiness is based on circumstances. Yes. I'm happy because I got a new uh, outfit today or a new this or a new that, but in three weeks, I'm going to see something else I, I want, right? So it's, just, it's fleeting, but joy is abiding. Christian joy is not a shallow emotion that like a thermometer it rises and falls with the changing excuse me <coughs> atmosphere of the home where the Christian joy is a deep experience of adequacy and confidence in spite of the circumstances around us sometimes I have to say okay devil nothing taking my joy today you try I know what you're up to you're trying to get my joy trying to steal my joy here and I'll just start singing I've got the joy 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 down in, in. Yeah. 
Yeah, the situation. Yeah, you got the Holy Spirit. You got you got the joy in your spirit, but yeah, it's you're just you're not really liking the at the moment. I'm with you. Peace. I like this. Is the internal serenity that only God can give. Troubles are not absent; rather, God is present. I like that. I can still maintain my peace even in the midst of trouble. And He gives a good definition here. It's an inner calm. That's question number four. Actually, peace is an inner calm that results from confidence in one's saving relationship with Christ. He said, "Peace I live, I leave with you, not as the world." Levi with you, but it's it's a different it's a it's a spiritual uh, peace, a deeper peace. Things may be raging and storming all around you, Amen. you know. Yea, though I walk through trouble, Thou wilt what revive me. Amen. The Holy Spirit is just giving you that peace, Angie. Jesus, therefore, joy is not necessarily happiness or giddiness, but just to know that if you look at it through, you know, I'm victorious in Christ, I'm, I am triumphant in Christ, that says it all, that's the end of the story, you don't have to worry about always having a smile to have joy, right. really. Yeah, you may not be bubbling and jumping around, like, and it's the same way with peace. Yeah, I, I think joy is uh, super connected to peace. Yeah. Because it, it's it's not that when something bad happens, we're rejoicing so much as it is that, like Nehemiah said, that joy of the Lord is our strength. strength. And so when we lose that joy, we get in the flesh, we're not spiritually strong, we're weak, we have no peace, you know. So it's kind of like love. We might as well choose to be joyful. You, you know, because then Christ will reward you. You'll get rewarded for obedience. Yes. But the, we get all bent out of shape about it. It's another trip around the mountain. It's Probably very, another trial coming your way and another opportunity to get upset. Our reaction is so important, isn't it? So important. So walking in peace because of the Holy Spirit, again, on the inside. As we're walking in joy, we're walking in peace. Patience. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's the absence of personal irritation <laughs> at the actions of others. Driving, right? Jesus, Jesus. It is the absence of personal irritation at the actions of others. Everybody breathe. <laughs> yeah, that. Anybody get irritated when you're driving? All the time. Okay. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. Earlier today. Yeah. Now, what'd you say, Lisa? Stay irritated. Yeah. There you go. It's pretty pretty powerful, isn't it? The absence of personal irritation at the actions of others. Bev, do you ever get impatient with me? Never. 
Do I ever get impatient with you? Never. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's... Uh, here, here's, here's a question he says to ask yourself, am I more patient than I was three months ago? Are you? Then you're moving the needle. <laughs> it is. And I'm still learning to yield. Oh, oh that's, yeah. That, that scene at the end of the driveway. Yeah, and I didn't see her, and I'm halfway, I'm halfway out in the this main road. Cars are coming, and everybody's like, "Stop!" And I'm like, "What, Bev?" And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of left hanging out there, but yeah, that was a patience test. That's a good example. That was, but we survived it. Right. I just thought, oh man, I could see somebody coming down, hitting me, knocking all the band members all over the highway. You know, all of this is flashing through my mind. You know, the drums are going to go. Anyway, patience. Kindness. I've told you all before, we have a sign now in our house that kindness changes everything. And it does. We, we practice that. How can I be kind? It's a choice, isn't it? To uh, not handle things in an abrasive manner in our dealings with people. Goodness is being godlike. I'm kind of buzzing through some of these now which is the opposite of fallen humanity. Look at Jesus. He said in Acts 10, 38, God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and, and with power who went about what? Doing good, didn't he? That's goodness. It's the goodness of God that even leads us to repentance, right? So we need to reflect goodness to people, going around doing good, expressing uh, love to people. Faithfulness, that's you guys tonight. Just You're here tonight on a Wednesday night when you could have been somewhere else. Faithful, faithfulness refers to a trustworthy and dependable life. A faithful person keeps his own life in order so you can count on him. He re, God rewards faithfulness. You be faithful in the little things. What? I'll make you ruler over many things. So very important in the kingdom of God. Gentleness. There's a young man I'm working with right now on this right, right now, praying with him for gentleness and lowliness. Pride is, is, uh, is a tough thing sometimes to, break, sometimes to break, isn't it? Gentleness and lowliness. It's better translated meekness, and meekness is not weakness, okay? Moses was one of the meekest uh, men on the face of the earth, but he was not weak, right? He led, you know, two million people out of... Egyptian bondage, so it's uh, which is the opposite of asserting ourselves. The Lord said, "The meek are the ultimate winners." Was it say, "The meek shall inherit the earth"? Yeah, those who are servants of the Lord must not strive; they must resist selfish ambition because that is a reflection of Satan, not God. So very good. And then the last one is discipline. We can all use prayer there, right? <laughs> discipline, self-control. Refers to restraining passionate passion and appetites, and it's defined by the Greek dictionary as a virtue which consists in mastery of the appetites and passions, especially the sensual ones. So, learning to <coughs> exercise discipline, 
Self cannot control self. Flesh is not able to harness flesh. I like that. Only the Holy Spirit can discipline us. And he can do a good job, can he? I, I see some of y'all. You've grown in so many ways. Just, just by the Holy Spirit putting you back on the wheel, reshaping you, molding you, making you more like him. Amen. You're a pretty good bunch. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, that's all under point number two, uh, under the fruit of the Spirit there. Uh, let's move on here just a little farther here. We're getting, yeah, we got time. Pray that they will trust God when troubles come. Are, kid, are your kids going to have troubles? How many's got kids that have got troubles going on right now, even in their in their life? I was thinking about that today. You know, there's we have children, and yeah, there's some trouble going on. You know, Job said it well in Job 14:1. He said, "Man who is born of woman is short of days and full of trouble. Full of trouble. There's going to be trouble. It's going to come. Yeah. What'd you say?" Trouble in my way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to, the, the enemy, uh, we can call it trouble or we can call it test or whatever, your challenges, whatever you want to call it, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Once you, especially once you decide to follow God, the enemy does not like it and he wants to, uh, to stop you. it's important to understand the difference between being aggressive and being assertive because it's really important that we are assertive when it comes to like the world right now that we live in and we're you know we're being pushed you know there's certain ideologies trying to be forced on us so it's important that we are assertive but we can't be aggressive we shouldn't be violent we shouldn't be hateful we should always be kind we should always be gentle but I don't necessarily agree that equating it with being the opposite of assertion because it's important that we're assertive, you know, we have our feet planted yeah. firmly in the word and firmly and in the Lord. Sunday we preached about it, boldness, didn't right, we? Right, right, that boldness. So you can be assertive without being a horrible, a horribly mean person. You can right. be assertive. No, I, I don't agree with that, but I love you. You know, that's, that's assertion without aggression, and I, I think it's just really Good important point. that we Good clarify. Point. Sometimes we can, we, we can project that. And then sometimes people interpret it that way, even sometimes when we don't mean it. You know, sometimes you are just being bold, and in this age that we live in, if you state an opinion that's different sometimes than than theirs, they can take. So we need to pray for wisdom. Because they equate love with tolerance, and that's not reality. Exactly. Very different. So just pray that the Lord will, you know, use you, you know, to be uh, assertive in what you believe and bold, you know, to... to, uh, not cower, you know, and again, gentleness is not, I don't think, uh, it's not cowering down, it's being assertive, you know, so, anyway, good point, uh, teach your kids and pray that they'll trust God when the test and when the troubles come, uh, the Lord says we're to yield ourselves to all, all levels of authority over us unless they ask us to disobey a clear command of God's word. 
So question number five, it talks here a little bit about rebellion. So it says rebellion, number five, is an inward choice to resist and go against the will of an authority over us. I've come to realize in my life there are some people I can't help because they're in a rebellious spirit. And we know what rebellion is like. What does the Bible say? Witchcraft? I think I, I touched on that. He may even have it here. Yeah, here it is. The top of, uh, well, let me read it. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. It's a re from being king. It's a rejection of authority, isn't it? It's a rebellious spirit, the same way that got into Lucifer, right? When he was kicked out of out of heaven. It was that rebellion. I will exalt myself like the most high. I will become like God. I, 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 you know? And uh, sure enough, got thrown out of out of heaven because of that rebellion against God's authority. So it's uh, we need to pray for them that that they will listen uh, for our children, listen to authority, be obedient uh, children. So that's kind of what he's saying here. I think in this section number six down here at the bottom of this page, uh, one of the most sobering sobering lessons sobering. One of the most sobering lessons on the destructive power of stubbornness, disobedience, <coughs> and the deadliness of rebellion is seen in God's account of the personal shipwreck of the life of King Saul. Did y'all read that story about all of the 15 things? You know, again, I, I don't know if we'll take time to do all of those. It's kind of his biography of his downward spiral. He was uh, chosen to be the first king of Israel. Now, God didn't really necessarily want a king, did he? The people are the ones that, that uh, wanted a king because, oh, everybody else has got kings. We want a king, too. So, God, okay, I guess we can allow that. So, Saul was the one that was chosen, but we find him, you know, rejecting God, living a life of rebellion and, and uh, forsaking God. So, uh, there's 15 things here that... I'm just going to hit them like in about three minutes. Impatience. Uh, uh, I'll just say this. I wrote this out on the side. This is something the Lord gave me when I was studying today. True spiritual character is revealed under pressure. Is that true? Under pressure is when the true spiritual character will come out. God help us. Amen. God help us to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Uh, so he, you know, in this first instant here, he, he uh, Samuel the prophet didn't show up, so he tries to become the priest, doesn't he, and, and offer up the offering. So his impatience, you know, uh, was a fruit of the flesh. Neglect, uh, he neglected to provide for those entrusted to his care. Number three, lazy indifference. He became lazy and indifferent. He was unaware of his son, the battle, and even the victory here in this particular Scripture, uh, rash words, uh, on and on as we go through here. Incomplete obedience. God told him, you know, to kill everything. And he kept some of the better stuff and didn't 
didn't kill it, and uh, uh, so incomplete. I mean, you know, how many know partial obedience is still disobedience? It's still, it's still uh, you're not doing what God wanted you to do, not cultivating personal worship. Do we need personal worship? Yeah. I can't just rely on corporate worship and public worship. I need intimacy. I need time with, with God myself. Uh, doubting the power of God, uh, uh, he, he began to become dismayed and greatly afraid. Fear entered into him. He was scared of the enemy. Uh, self-focus, again, there's the big word, self. Insecurity, this is when he heard him saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his tens of thousands. He began to become insecure in his kingdom. Jealousy, in the next verse, turns to that. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Jealousy will kill you, won't it? It's a terrible, terrible thing. Number 11, wrong value system. Uh, he was afraid of David because he saw God was with him, right? So... Uh, Neglecting his marriage, uh, seeing things entirely from an earthly perspective instead of from a spiritual uh, application. Just on and on. You see just the step-by-step. Having no fear of God. uh, And then number 15, not hating the enemies of the Lord. So all of these things eventually led to his downfall. And, of course, we find tragically... uh, he runs himself through with a sword, doesn't he? He's out in the battle, and he hears that Jonathan and some of his other sons have died. He asks his armor-bearer to, to, to do it, and the armor-bearer wouldn't do it, so he falls on his own, on his own sword, just sword, just uh, a life wasted, right, you might, you might say. And, and, of course, God raised up David to take over the kingdom of God. So, anyway, we're praying for our children, aren't they, aren't we, that... Uh, having the fruit of the Spirit, that they will trust God when troubles come. And again, uh, pray they will love God's plan for their lives. We'll, uh, we'll take up right there next week. We're getting out of time here. I know the band has got to practice for Saturday. If you can uh, come early and help. I know Lisa's going to be here about 11 o'clock and uh, getting everything set up. It's going to be a big day here at the house Saturday. We're going to have people lined up getting into this place, right? Yes. Oh, you don't have those in your book? Uh, I can run you a copy of it. You bet. Because I breezed right through those pretty fast. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, we can definitely get you these 15 things. So let's stand. And uh, again, if you can... Help us Saturday. We're going to be out, you know, reaching out to this community with love and showing them that you can have a good time and not do spooky, evil, terrible, terrible things, right? There's going to be every hour the band will be playing some worship. There will be one of our young men or women uh, preaching the word of God for a few minutes, giving a devotion, and we're still going to be having some fun too. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, that uh, prayer for our children, Lord. We just, we want to be, we, we are modeling something in our home, God, and we're, we're, we're praying, God, that you're raising up godly parents, word-filled parents, Lord, that are passing the torch onto their children, that the things they're teaching them now, the morals, the, the disciplines, the, the, the love of God, the love of Christ, Lord, that it will uh, 
land in their spirit. Lord, it'll stay with them their entire lives. Lord, you said to train them up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it, God. So we claim that for all of our children here. God, may we as parents and, and, and uh, fathers and, and, and mothers, Lord, just, just, just be an example to, to our children. May we not succumb to, the, to the, the pressures of the world and lead them in a way that would turn them from you. May we not provoke them to wrath, Lord God, but may we love them, show them the way, be a light unto them, Lord, that they will want to know Jesus. They will see him in us and want what we have. I thank you. I praise you, Lord. Amen. Yes, ignite the fire tomorrow night at 6, 7.